everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Made by Women by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. At a moment when businesses face some of the biggest challenges in recent history, we bring you inspiring stories, practical insights, and shared learnings to help you successfully navigate in today's environment. Every Thursday, Made by Women will showcase the experiences of legendary women entrepreneurs, fierce up-and-comers, and everyday women who found success their own way. Consider this your real-world MBA, designed for the new now. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and thanks so much for joining us today. Some entrepreneurs are born. As children, they're setting up lemonade stands, they're selling homemade crafts, or they're taking a booth at the school fair. Others stumble into entrepreneurship, but when they find their passion, they're in 150%. And what often fuels these accidental entrepreneurs is an opportunity to do good in the world. That was the case with Helia Mohammedian. She thought she wanted a career in high-end fashion, but one day she found herself cutting up a pair of women's underwear, attaching fasteners, and creating a new type of undergarment for people with disabilities or limited mobility. We'll hear about why Helia started her company, how she patented her invention, and how she built slick chicks around underwear that looks good and instills confidence in women. Enjoy our conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about Slick Chicks, what it does, and what inspired you to create it. So Slick Chicks are patented adaptive underwear, and they are designed for people with disabilities or limited mobility. I started the company after seeing my sister, um, who was having a post-operative surgery at the time. 
she was struggling with bending over and had a hard time changing, using the restroom, showering, following her surgery. And so I was just, you know, not wanting to really see her in pain and struggle. So I just kind of took to the internet and started Googling accessible products because we had many conversations where, you know, she was like, my husband has to help me change my underwear. And that's something that's pretty intimate. And, you know, you want to feel dignified and independent and do things on your own. So having to rely on someone, um, she felt a little less confident. And, you know, obviously she didn't feel just good in her own skin at that point. So um, I did, I looked on the internet and I started researching products um, that could be uh, easily accessible for her. And so I found that the the market and products that were out there uh, were really just medical products that were uh, sterile and bland and, you know, created decades ago, um, products that resemble diapers and, you know, urinary incontinence products. So I didn't, yeah. And so I was kind of shocked that, you know, one had already created something that, um, was, you know, a little bit more fashion forward. So I thought, okay, well, I have 15 years experience in fashion design and product development. I can just create a product myself. And it started as like a little project for me to create something for my sister. And I cut up a a pair of underwear, added fasteners. I I remember this, it was like in my New York City apartment, just making this like makeshift underwear for my sister. And I sent it to her and she tried it out. And she was like, this is awesome. You should really like do something with this. And at the time I was like, really, I, I just, you know, I can't imagine, um, you know, that this would work, but I got, you know, really, really, you know, invested in it. And it was something I started to become really passionate about, um, after researching, you know, other people that could potentially need the product. So let me ask you this. You get this idea, obviously inspired by your sister. And, you know, you you make your prototype and you're feeling really encouraged. But I want to just take you back a bit to your background. Did you think you would be an entrepreneur? Did you ever have that sense? What about your background kind of prepared you for that moment? So I was always a very uh, imaginative kid. My mom still has sketches of like old bathing suits and dresses. And I knew I wanted to be in fashion. My undergrad is from Louisiana State University, my degree in fashion design. So I knew early on, I always wanted to be um, in fashion. I just didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I really didn't even know what that meant at the time. Um, this was like 20 years ago. So yeah, I mean, I think you kind of have to be, have a little bit of a wild imagination to become an entrepreneur. Um, so I, I definitely, I think it was like ingrained in me at an early age. Um, and so I went to school fashion, you know, no offense to my hometown, but, you know, in Louisiana, it wasn't such a big thing. So I knew that I wanted to be in New York City. And so I applied to the Fashion Institute um, of New York during my undergrad, and then I was accepted. And so I moved to New York City. um, And my parents were actually really supportive, but scared for me to to go to New York and start a life there. But um, yeah, I, I didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had no like really business training. You know, I went to, to school to learn a trade, you know, uh, essentially I was learning how to 
design clothes. And I always thought I wanted to be um, kind of like behind the scenes and just creating the products and seeing them come to life. I had no idea, you know, that it would turn into a business. So most of my um, early jobs and internships were, you know, with fashion design companies and, you know, retail. And, you know, I worked early on uh, for Bergdorf Goodman in New York City. And I worked there for a few years as a assistant to a personal shopper. And it was quite an experience. You know, you're, I was going to say that must be an experience. <laughs> I mean, it was, you, you dress basically, you're, you're, you're dressing the, you know, who's who of the Upper East Side and these socialites. And um, it, it was very unfulfilling for me. <laughs> it was, it made me realize like, gosh, I, I loved fashion, but now I'm not loving it so much, or maybe this just isn't what I wanted to do. And so that was kind of like disheartening because I just was kind of turned off from, from that experience. And it just wasn't for me. I didn't feel like I was contributing to anything or making an impact, um, which is also something I think I always wanted to do and, and know that I wanted to do. I just didn't know how and how to do it within the fashion industry. So, well, that's so interesting because, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about at Seneca Women is sort of how do you use your power for purpose? And if you can kind of understand your skill set and then apply it to something you believe in, it seems like you really were able to do that with Slick Chicks. Slick Chicks is now defined as a social impact company. So what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what you just said. It's like, it's about contributing to the you know, to a greater good and to, to be a purpose-driven platform or company or service. And um, so for, for us specifically, um, our mission is to empower people with our products um, and have a positive impact on their quality of life, you know, with something as simple as underwear. So I think at the end of the day, if, you know, if you want to be a social impact company or if that's what you aspire to be, um, you have to put people first and that's what it's about. So it's not just about creating this product for profit. It's about um, who we're actually helping and it's creating a real solution uh, with a with a product. And I think it also starts with understanding um, and learning about the issues that people face. And um, specifically for me, you know, I didn't realize that this was a challenge that people with disabilities had. And so it was just educating myself. Um, so, you know, I think whether it's working for impact, like at a grassroots level, or if you're doing it within your community, um, it's just social impacts about working for positive change. And that's really what we do. And that's kind of at the heart and soul of what we're about. We'll be back with Seneca's Made by Women after this short break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. So you had this vision and you knew you wanted to have impact and you're having incredible impact. So we're super grateful for what you've done. We know it's not easy though. So when you got started, what were the first steps you took and how did you convince people and did you have to convince people to come along with you? Well, thank you for the kind words. But yes, definitely. I think uh, when I started this idea, the concept of it was in 2011, 2012. Um, and at that point, it you know, the challenge was being a first to market company. You know, the market wasn't ready for it because there really wasn't a market for it. Um, so I, I was on, I was basically embarking on something that was like an entirely new business model. So um, granted, there are always competitors, but for me, it was like trying to compete against some of these medical companies. And I, you know, I wanted to kind of bridge that gap between being a functional medical company and, and fashion. So that was the biggest hurdle um, when trying to kind of persuade people that, you know, this product is um, needed. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the the first step for me was just getting customers to test the product early on and giving us feedback. 
Um, and I did, I did a Kickstarter, um, and, you know, created these like organic focus groups, um, consumer focus groups to get that feedback. And that really helped me to validate the product and the feedback that I received and the use cases, you know, are what really helped me kind of, um, create our business model. Um, so being a completely new product, um, I think it has its, you know, challenges, but I think it also has its advantages because once you do get that trust from your customers, they become very loyal and they continue to support the business, which we were really fortunate to have, um, those repeat customers and those loyal customers. So, yeah, I think, um, I think early on as well, trying to get funding from VCs was a challenge um, because people didn't really know this market. It was an emerging market. Um, So it definitely presented its challenges. But, you know, at some point I, I found someone who was really passionate and who had a personal experience with their family member. And we connected on a deeper level. And she ended up becoming my first seed, uh, seed investor. That's amazing. We've talked to others like Figs who've kind of come into a new marketplace and tried to put fashion forward products in what was very traditionally a medical type environment. And that's not easy, as you say. You know, there's so many people who, when they go out for that first round of funding, they're talking to people who don't necessarily connect with the product, especially when you're breaking into a new female first market. How did you deal with that early on? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of naysayers, and and everybody who starts a business goes through that. How were you able to cope with that? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think that was, you know, that was a huge obstacle for me early on because, you know, you're, you're so excited about, you know, this idea and this product and bringing it to life and you want to share it with your friends and family, um, which I did, you know, I I didn't, you know, I didn't keep it to myself, but I, I also at that point didn't really have a big network, um, until later on. So I talked about it with anyone who was close, close to me and, um, because they care about me, they were like, we don't want to see you invest all of your time, your energy and your money into this because, you know, at that time the market wasn't ready for it, but I believed that there was something there. So I think for me, it's like, you just kind of have to push through and you can't really listen to what everyone says. Otherwise then, you know, you don't follow your dreams, but I was also very realistic at that point. Um, you know, I, worked two jobs while I was trying to get slick chicks going. You know, I never put all my eggs into one basket. Um, but I always, I always remembered why I was doing it and the reason, and, and that was the people who needed the product. And, um, I think when, if you're passionate about doing something and you're doing it again for the greater good, I think that there's so much success there and, and not just monetary, but you know, you know, you're making an impact and you're, you're, whether you're impacting one person or 1 million people, um, I think that's that at the end of the day is what matters. And, um, I, I never really cared that people were, were telling me it was a crazy idea. I just kept going <laughs> with it. Well, you know, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, we wrote a book called Fast Forward and part of the research was around purpose-driven work and what happens. And I guess there's this phenomenon called helper's high mm-hmm. where you almost become addicted to making a difference. And it actually, you know, there's a, literally like a chemical reaction to making a positive contribution. And I definitely feel like with Seneca Women, for us, 
it's very similar where, you know, you just like, well, what motivates you and what gets you through the really hard times is that you're going to be able to make this impact. And as you said, if you can just help one person, I think it's, it's huge and it's so motivating. So I, I think that's such great advice because there's so many entrepreneurs who are facing, I guess it's like 60 no's to every yes or something. And, and so it's really important to do what you just said, which is remember the why you're doing it and, and use that as your compass. So we also understand that you got some of your funding when you were on a television show. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So I, um, I participated on this reality pitch competition on ABC and it was called Thunderdome. I think it was like a few seasons um, that the show was on air, but Steve Harvey was the host and, you know, he's like a quirky character, a larger than life personality. And at that time, um, because my business was still so early on, you know, I was bootstrapping. I wanted to do anything I could to raise money for this company. So, you know, for me, it wasn't about being on TV. It was about getting um, access to capital. So of course I was going to do it. But uh, so that being said, I, you know, I, I got accepted and I flew out, they flew me out to LA. And so basically what the show was, um, they, they, put two inventors and, you know, had them compete for a certain amount of seed funding. Um, and so both inventors basically pitch before a live studio audience. And um, that was terrifying. <laughs> but uh, whoever, um, who, whoever ends up, um, I guess, winning is the, the win or, you know, whoever wins that seed funding, um, it's through the audience vote. So they basically decide. Um, and that was my, I think that was my first time pitching in front of that many people. Um, and you know, you have all of these eyes on you in this like very brightly lit studio with, you know, um, (laughs) like directors and producers and people all around. And, um, I had to kind of just like, I guess, go into a different like world and like inside my head and just pretend like I was just pitching to to a friend or family member, even though I was looking at like a couple of hundred people all around me in a room. Um, but and cameras, no less and cameras. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was terrifying, but it was also fun. I had so much fun doing it and I ended up, um, winning a small amount of, of funding for, um, for slick chicks. And that was that was the goal and it was an experience. And, um, yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely something that kind of put me outside of my comfort zone. And I think every time you pitch, whether it's in front of one investor or like a hundred people, there's always like, you know, you always feel a little anxious. And once you get into it, um, my experience with the show, as soon as I started, I was like, I think I blacked out. I was like, <laughs> I did like a two minute pitch. And then when it was over, I'm like, oh my God, that wasn't so bad. Um, but yeah, but of course you're like a ball of nerves before doing it. Um, but the show was really, I mean, I mean, it was a great show. Um, it gave, you know, people who, uh, you know, had like mom and pops or, you know, small businesses, um, you know, minority owned businesses an opportunity uh, to, uh, you know, pitch for, for funding. And yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a mini version of like a shark tank, I would say. Well, I think the advice you gave there though, is so important, which is that anytime you have to pitch, you're kind of getting out of your comfort zone. And so 
getting comfortable being uncomfortable is kind of the name of the game, I think. I know these are really obviously hard times for everybody and hard times for women entrepreneurs, for sure. We see that a lot in the press and and in reality. But is there anything that's keeping you optimistic in this moment? There is. I feel like right now there's such a, uh, for for my industry, um, I see that, and not just my industry, I see it more and more every day in just different industries, but uh, there's more, I guess, opportunity for, you know, diversity and inclusion in, in workplaces. And there's more spotlighting of women-owned businesses, which I think is so important um, and more advocating, uh, not just like with their words, but with actions and things that they're doing. So I think there's like a lot to look forward to. And I think things are definitely changing. I mean, we have still have a lot more work to do, um, you know, adaptive fashion and, and our, uh, our, industry. Um, I see companies that are embracing inclusivity. Um, but again, there's, there's so much more to be done. Um, you know, we're just scratching the surface, but I I do see more and more companies being inclusive. I do see more female owned businesses, uh, more black women entrepreneurs emerging. And I think that women have, I think women of color specifically, they face double biases because of, you know, gender and race. They are like the fastest growing group of women-owned businesses, which is pretty incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. So I think, you know, that gives me kind of like inspiration and hope and, you know, it, it inspires me, you know, people that I meet all over the world, women that I meet. I think that's the biggest thing is like women who are starting businesses are inspiring other women to start businesses. And we're just kind of like dominating that. And we're, we're here for each other. You know, we're, we're showing up and showing support. So I'm very hopeful, even though we had a really rough year. I mean, everyone did. Everyone was affected by this, this last year in the pandemic. But I think it's also making us come back stronger as well. Well, you are definitely inspiring us. And again, we're just really grateful for what you've done. And we'll continue to support and follow your work. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for Uh, being an advocate and spotlighting women-owned businesses. What an incredible product and a great company. Here are some lessons I took from the conversation. First, never underestimate the power of purpose to drive your business forward. Halia had to face skeptics and naysayers. She had to work two jobs to finance the launch of Slick Chicks, but she knew she was creating a product that would bring confidence and empowerment to people with disabilities. Second, know your customer. Halia believed she had a great product, but she conducted focus groups to really understand the potential market. The feedback she got helped her design not only her product, but also her business model. Finally, prepare to be uncomfortable. Halia was terrified at the thought of appearing on TV to pitch her company on the Steve Harvey show, but she did it and she ended up getting some funding for Slick Chicks. That was just one of the many times she had to leave her comfort zone on the way to success. You can find Slick Chicks on the Seneca Women Marketplace, a digital resource for amazing women-owned businesses. Visit shopsenecawomen.com to learn more. And if you have a women-owned business that you'd like to nominate for the Seneca Women Marketplace, go to shopsenecawomen.com and click the nominate button. Made by Women is brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G.
everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. 